Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. In the first quarter of 2020, the co-founders of Dynamo Energy Hub executed a successful pandemic pivot for growth through digital media programming that has expanded their cultivation of energy innovation communities in cities around the world. On today's program, we're going to hear from Dynamo co-founder Kristen Gar- Barbado, who is also the CEO and, and founder of Build Edison about that pandemic business model pivot and how it has positively influenced the scaling of innovative clean tech companies through Build Edison's business model as well. Hello, Kristen, and welcome back to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thanks, Paul. It's really nice to be back. We were uh, in a different different time when we spoke last, uh, last, wasn't it? We sure were. It was pre-pandemic, yeah. and it was a whole different world, as, as we're about yeah. to find out from your perspective, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so, Kristen, beginning with a brief review of your original business model, tell our listeners about your successful pandemic pivot for growth at Dynamo Energy Hub over the last two years. Sure, I'd love to. And thanks again for having me. Um, Dynamo Energy Hub went through a very interesting period this last, as many companies did. We launched our New York City hub in September of 2019. And of course, as you know, the entire world changed just six months later. And we were thinking to ourselves, how is it that we created this networking and co-working company for the energy transition just before this global pandemic. Well, thanks to the uh, quick thinking and experience of my my business partner, Mead Harris, we were able to pivot very, very quickly. And so we found ourselves in a position where what we thought was going to be detrimental to our business actually accelerated our growth in a way that we, we probably couldn't have done otherwise. So when you think about where you were in March of 2020 and the, the months that followed, many months that followed, most people were trying to figure out how to continue to do business, how to connect with people, how to figure out where they needed to, to be, who they needed to invest in, what was going to happen, and, and just how to do work. And so our virtual networking and events that we conducted over a series of a steady series of, of the, that time that time frame enabled us to expand and connect people. And we think that it was the expansion happened as a result of those really good connections and that cultivated network that we have brought to bear. So now we were expanding globally in a way that we didn't think we would before. So our original business plan was we'd plant a flag in the city, New York City, bring our ecosystem and those resources to bear to grow that and then grow, plant in another, another hub in a different city and then continue that model on ongoing. But what happened instead was we had a lot of global growth and connectivity. Our ecosystem grew because of so many people that were able to um, participate in these events that we had online. And then as we've been emerging out of that, that phase, we found that many people were able to, uh, we've actually had a demand for many hubs to be built up in different cities. So we went from one hub for quite a while, and now all of a sudden we've grown to New York City, DC, Boston, 
And I'm very happy to say that we just signed for Austin and we'll be launching Austin this month. So Austin, Texas is in the, is in the mix now too. Um, so it's, it's really, I think what's happened with Dynamo Energy Hub is that we, we tapped into something about the future of work just before it actually was such a necessity and it's flexibility. It's the collaboration through a curated quality network. Um, and this year in 2022, I'm very happy to say that we'll have 10 hubs by the end of the year. Wow. And we're able to have yeah, <laughs> 10 hubs. Um, we'll, and then at the end of next year, we're also aiming to have, we're on track to have probably 25 hubs around the world. So okay, yeah, we, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, it's quite, quite rapid and we're, we're really proud of that. Well, that's fantastic uh, growth, um, Kristen, and congratulations to you and Mead both. Now, the other benefit that we've been talking about uh, for you in particular in this situation is that it has facilitated more rapid growth of your other business platform, Build Edison, right? And and you've experienced positive impact from that from the pivot in the scaling of clean tech companies that you work with through Build Edison. How did the two how did the two platforms begin complementing and supporting each other's growth? Yeah, it's a really good way to say it. They're two very different companies, but very complementary services. So Build Edison is a company that focuses on the scaling commercialization of clean tech solutions in the energy industry. And at Build Edison, we work with startups to help them with their growth trajectory and their traversing that valley of death that is so unfortunate for so many companies with really viable technologies, but needing to have pathways to get to commercialization in a faster way than the money runs out. But we also have done a lot of work on the other side when we work with corporates or governments or accelerators that are trying to enable um, and to develop energy innovation programs. So we wind up working a lot with those, those different types of stakeholders in their needs to, one is to meet the market to grow their, their product and services in that market. And then in the other, from the other side, we have these large corporates uh, and governments who are trying to put together energy innovation programs, which is something our team has had a lot of experience with over the years. So that's been a lot of fun too. But the, the complementary services actually really come in where we look at what Dynamo is doing. Dynamo has a broad network that has, um, they, and they all require innovative solutions and those thought leaders within them um, and to bridge the gaps of those stakeholders. So I'll, I'll, I'll take a few words out of my business partner's mouth and say, you know, to transition to cleaner and more sustainable systems, key stakeholders really can no longer work in these silos. Mm. So you know, like governments have huge uh, targets that they need to hit and goals to accelerate the deployment of clean energy technologies. Clean techs are constantly developing revolutionary new energy solutions and sometimes struggle to find private or public investors or grants. Uh, and large technology companies are under the same pressure from their shareholders and ESG goals to decarbonize or use renewable resources of energy or improve the efficiency of their operations. And a lot of times these tech companies, they, they have little or no expertise in an energy industry or energy background. So more and more so, but the Dino Energy Hub really breaks down the barriers between these sectors or these stakeholders by creating this cultivated network to accelerate the energy uh, innovation and uh, transition that we have. And what we love about it is that 
it really engenders a lot of trust. So we have a very trusted network. So I think that that's where this pivot that we experienced is emblematic of a lot of things that others experienced through this this last two years as well. You know, that's a fascinating um, way that things are developing, I would say, in general, in the new economy today. And that is yes. through, um, I, I'm, I'm hearing them referred to as partnerships, consortiums, et cetera, and they seem to be across the spectrum of the type of businesses that are, are jumping in to uh, partnerships with other businesses that may seem like they would never be able to work together. Um, and I know that you introduced, right. you introduced me to Jeremy McCool and his company, Hevo. Uh, <laughs> Hevo great. Yeah, Jeremy year, and and it's a, yeah, he's on a, a fantastic growth trajectory working with oh, yeah. the U.S. government, right? So, oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah it's and great. many others, OEMs, uh, as well as other um, customers and clients. Yeah, they're, uh -huh. they're doing some great things with uh, wireless EV charging. So I'm glad, yes. hey, glad to make that connection. That's exactly what this is for, right? <laughs> well, listen, he's he's been a delight to work with, but let's not get off track here. We want to make sure <laughs> <laughs> we're focusing on your work. And I had a question for you. Um, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, that's the EIA, power generation by renewable energy sources, including solar, wind, biomass, geothermal, and hydropower accounted for 20% of total U.S. production during the first three quarters of 2021. So how will higher, the higher cost of capital as we're moving into 2022 impact the growth of renewable power generation across these various technologies? Yeah, we're digging into some of my, um, my prior experience with the utilities and what's going on with that kind of market here. And I think this is really exemplary of so much demand that's happening in the industry. And uh, although I, I wish I, I did, Paul, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I don't for what's <laughs> going to happen with cost of capital for these kinds of projects going forward. But I can confidently say that investment in this industry is rapidly increasing. In fact, um, and, and of course, higher cost of capital can have impacts on what we might see, but I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of movement in um, investment, not only in equity, but also in projects. Um, I think it was uh, Bloomberg New Energy Finance that updated their um, report on the investment in this industry. Believe I think it was last year that it was $750 billion invested in clean tech, uh, tech clean technologies and, and projects. So, or companies rather. And so, there's really, I mean, just talking about what that means for the industry. Whether costs are going to go up because of um, Capital costs, um, I think that means that we need to be very discerning about where we invest our dollars and who we are doing work with. But there really has never been a better time to be a clean energy entrepreneur or innovator. Uh, market growth and technology advancing, advancement are, are overlapping to create a new energy economy that's giving rise to a lot of entrepreneurial opportunity. And I think I believe that we're in a stage where we're just beginning to exploit the power of the tech entrepreneurs, as well as those that have been in this industry for a long time in collaboration, as we're really expanding um, customer engagement as well. So as we're looking for cleaner resources, like you mentioned, or we're naturally seeing greater investment in infrastructure and hardware and the combination between them, um, there's 
there's really, I mean, I like to say this a lot, but it's true. There's only so much you can optimize on an aging infrastructure. So there has to be, uh, when you have all of these new resources coming in, there's going to be a lot of um, impact on how to use them, how to use them efficiently, um, the uh, dispatch, but as well as how that impacts the everyday lives of people, including uh, cost. You know, that, um, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, that last word there, because one of the things that I, I was doing a program recently with uh, a, a solar entrepreneur, and he was talking about how the actual technologies are slowing down in terms of their ability to keep growing the industry at an exponential rate. And it's really a very important time for entrepreneurs to play a more significant role in promoting and developing solar energy everywhere in the world. And, um, you know, I thought that that was fascinating. When you think about um, all of the innovation that's happening on what I'll say in the electric industry is either side of the meter, right? It's either mm. on the, the customer side or mm -hmm. on the other side for the utilities. There's a lot of a lot of new technology, a lot of demand for um, faster, better way, way of, uh, cleaner ways of doing um, what we've done before. And so, when you think about um, what that means in terms of the need for integration. You can't, it's, it's all very interconnected. And so what's happening with the demand for cleaner resources, more storage, more efficient use of uh, energy itself. And these, these innovators that are creating solutions to these problems, there really is that, that nexus is so important. And that's why you know, I'll, I'll you know, talk about Dynamo again. We hear these conversations at our, at our events and on our panels and all the time. So that's um, it's it's very exciting time to be in energy. Yeah, I, you know, I've been uh, two events when you were doing them live and online right. as well. And it's a it's a it's a wonderful community. And there's a lot of people not only with great entrepreneurial spirit and and drive that uh, but it's people who really enjoy what they're doing a lot. So it's always a yeah. pleasure well, to participate. Yeah. Come down to Austin in a couple of weeks. We're going we're gonna to launch our Austin Hub. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll, I'll Get your cowboy hat. Go. There you go. There you go. Maybe I can I can arrange to eat some rattlesnake while I'm there. There know? we go. <laughs> <laughs> Good Texas dish. So, yeah. So, Kristen, how important is regulatory support in the U.S. marketplace to continue driving the cost of renewable power lower for corporate buyers? And I'm thinking in particular about those that are using power purchase agreements as capital funding sources? Sure. Uh, well, it's of utmost importance. It's, it's, it's critical. Um, and whether or not you are looking at um, lower cost of power or for, for your PPAs and capital funding, or you're, you're investing in other types of energy projects, there's lots and lots that's going on in the buildings themselves, electrification of buildings, um, more efficient grid. So, Yes, PPA and capital funding, quite important, and regulatory support um, or whatever happens with policy is going to drive what happens, not only with those projects, but also the costs and the investment with them. And you see that across the board. Um, I think that policy and regulation are really at the core of creating local movement in the energy economy. And of course, then generating the need for people to network across the industry sectors and 
I'll say that I also see corporates as needing to understand these emerging technologies from startups even more. So, um, and then of course, startups need to get exposure to these investors and these potential customers and corporates and utilities, as well as real estate owners. Um, and of course, including those that are doing the renewable, um, renewable projects. So how do we get those renewable projects that are uh, maybe remote or if and if they're in the distribution uh, grid, how do we make sure that they are connected well and operating efficiently and dispatched within the needs of that, that building, that owner, that region? Uh, so it's, it's really necessary for government to be within that conversation and understanding the market players to create enabling policy for action. Now, you've just talked about um, uh, two things that I want to follow up on. The first is the idea of regional or local uh, influence and, and, and build-outs and infrastructure. And the other is the idea of distributed grid energy. Now, what's the potential for growth of regional or local distributed grid integration within the regulated U.S. utility industry and infrastructure? Sure. Well, I believe it's <laughs> it's very strong. I mean, we've seen over the last few years that local and regional growth and demand for clean energy resources continues to grow, um, as well as efficient operations in buildings and infrastructure itself. These are going to drive more and more the need for grid flexibility on the distribution and transmission side. So when you think about what's happening with the grid today, it's it will we require a much more robust and flexible grid as we continue to put more and more renewable resources, different types of storage, other types of, of user solutions on the, on the other side of the meter. And uh, one thing that I think is really important to be able to do this to create that growth is to have really strong demonstration and pilot programs. But I'm gonna caveat that by saying that these demonstration and pilot programs can't just be focused on the pilot alone. They really need to be focused on two other things, and that's the operating environment that they are in and the scalability of those solutions, that those metrics and the eye for scalability and where this can go next is part of that pilot itself. So since scaling is how you grow and the, talk about the growth of these solutions throughout these regions, it's necessary to enable the, the operation, the operational environment to test out what these solutions are in real world experience and understand within that framework, how you then scale accordingly within and with, with a plan, you'll probably have to adapt the plan after you have the, the, the piloted demonstration project moving forward, but that's, it, it can't just be in a box. And I think for so long, um, this industry has been um, like historically known for slow moving innovation or um, relying upon methods that are tried and true and prudent. But in order to move forward with so many of these demands that are being um, driven by customers and governments to um, be more, to be, have cleaner resources and more efficient operations, it will be necessary to do these types of solutions in a way that enables the testing of them to be in operating environments and then the scaling of those with the plan as part of the plan. 
Now, can you give us an example of a pilot project like this that you have either developed within Bill Davison or Dynamo or, or that you're familiar with uh, from outside of, of that experience? Uh, and I give it, and, and if you, you know, we're not, I'm not asking that you name names, but a, a program or a project that you've had some interaction with that has developed this way. Sure, sure. I'll give um, rather than a single project. Mm -hmm. I think I can I can look to some of the programs that I've developed over the years for different institutions. And one that comes Good. to mind that I'm really proud of is uh, one that's that's still in use at the City of New York called the Idea Program (IDEA) um, Innovations and Demonstration for Energy. Uh, gosh, I forgot the last A. It's been a few years, but I, I D E A. That's why I made. That's why I had the team help making the acronym. I can never remember the words. I just kind of shove it down into some letters that I might be able to remember. So there I don't you know. go. The, the, I, the concept, the idea behind idea was to have government buildings partnering with innovative solutions and demonstration projects that then can be scaled. So let's try them out first in the operating environment, get the, the, the building owners, the building, the facilities teams, understanding what that technology is. And so with the intent of scaling and that program actually went on, not only is it still in use today and, and credit to the team, they have adapted this program over the last several years in ways that are much more robust and keeping up with the needs of what the city's demands are over this time that, um, but they've also had some really good success stories of some of these solutions that were used in one building and then they get the contract to move forward to go and expand and scale that solution in many other buildings. So it's, it's, it's real. It, it can happen. And I think when you have a demonstration project with really willing participants uh, on both sides, the users and the, and the, 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 the solution providers, as well as um, a patience to understand that there's going to be some bumps during that, that pilot and that demonstration project, but those are the lessons that need to be learned with the, when you have a plan for, if this works and it meets some of these criteria, then we believe we can expand it to these areas and then these buildings or these regions and with this kind of, those metrics in mind. So you don't do a pilot just to do it once. You do it to see if it works so you can expand it. But there's a, there's an example. So at that those pilots might be about energy efficiency uh, within uh, infrastructure, or they might be about new technologies that are producing or, or supplying the energy uh, across infrastructure or within um, different business modalities. Uh, it could be a whole number sure. of things like sure. that, right? H HVAC could be building efficiency. It could be res clean resources and renewables. It could be storage. Mm -hmm. um, Electric vehicle charging. There's all kinds of uh, there's all all kinds of solutions that fit underneath this umbrella. Okay, all right. So now, Kristen, we've got just a, a minute or so left. So is there are there is there something that you're working on at Dynamo uh, Energy Hub that we would like to let our audience know about? And uh, if they're interested in participating, they can they can join one of your programs. We're expanding Dynamo Energy Hub, and this year alone will be in 10 new cities, uh, 10 cities total. We're looking to a few cities next, Denver, London, um, a couple others that are in, in the works. And we are very excited about some of the international relationships that we have that then are going to be in part of this 
global network with very regional impact and relatability. That's the, fantastic. The whole, yeah. Yeah. So since the industry is changing, when you used to think about the energy industry 30 years ago, it was utilities or major oil and gas companies. It is so much more complex now. And what's really interesting about the complexity and the, the drive for many of the uh, policies that we see that are, are trying to um, engender more cleaner resources, more efficient re- use of resources, that it has, like we said, like I said before, it's put a lot of money into this industry. But uh, as we like to say, just because there's a lot more money coming into the industry doesn't mean that's always going to make winners. So where we think of Dynamo Energy Hub is that cultivated network of tried, true, tested, understood, and uh, trusted connections and thought leadership that will enable good quality deals to be done, investments to be made, commercialization to scale. And that's the whole point of it. So we'd love to have you. Please check out our website at dynamoenergyhub.com. Great. Just like you think. Yeah. And we'd love to uh, we'd love to talk with you more about how to become a member and maybe maybe come to a city near you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where can Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners learn more about what you're already doing at Dynamo and at Build Edison? And um, uh, and how can they get in touch with you about the topics that we've discussed on today's program? Oh, sure. I'm happy to. So website for Dynamo, as I just mentioned, is dynamoenergyhub.com. And if you're interested in like more bespoke, uh, customized solutions for your startup or government or accelerator for energy innovation programs, you can go to buildedison.com. It's B-U-I-L-D-E-D-I-S-O-N, building on energy innovation, you know, that Edison guy. Um, so either one is great. You can contact me directly. I'll give you my Dynamo email address, which is Kristen at dynamoenergyhub.com. Great. All right. Well, thanks again, Kristen Barbado, founder and CEO at Build Edison and co-founder of Dynamo Energy Hub. And for our listeners, tune in again next week for another episode. I'm your host, Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. (laughs) 